So can we have glimpses of master? Yeah. yeah. Like you, you, we've seen some masterful things out of battle. Yes. He's done some of the most insane things. And will it be like a momentary glimpse of greatness and and quote unquote mastery when he finally beats these guys? Yeah. But yeah. what do you think battle is going to acknowledge shortly thereafter? It's the work, man. I'll it's, see you Monday I'll morning. I'll see you Monday morning. Okay, guys, we got uh, Professor Pete, the old man, sucking down one of his uh, supplements. It's insure. It's insure. Was that insure? In, it, it it helps me. I'm regular is that, now. Does that make your bone density a little my bit better? My bone density, <laughs> uh, my belly. I'm I'm more Put regular. A little, uh, Metamucil in there. A little Metamucil, a little prune juice. <laughs> but I follow it up with cheese because it gets a little loose sometimes. No, you can't have. You were that. telling me uh, your buddy has a supplement company, and this is called Intrafast. Intrafast, and it helps you. It's it, it helps you extend your uh, fasting window. And so Dude, I love that. So uh, when I first started, I, I was into intermittent fasting. I just I gotta point this out way before everybody else, <laughs> way before. <laughs> no, because I I was always a Tim Ferriss fan. Yes. Which incidentally I am no longer just because he uh. It's going to be to be a little too much, man. Yes, he's, he's he could be much. drinking from a water fountain or a fire hose at times. Yeah, well, not only like is it too much information, which I don't mind. He's just kind of like a pompous asshole. <laughs> he's he's very, I felt from the very beginning. He's become very snobbish. He's gotten more snobby because I think he's always been uh, a snot. Dude, when he speaks, when I first told you guys I was moving out of the townhouse, yeah. we found the house. Uh, that Brian was flipping. Oh, the one in Rohus. Yeah, in Alluvium Woods. And I didn't, you know, it's not that, it's I just a normal you, I still get checked at the border. They go, you have a valve in your name. All right, let's be very clear about where I live. I it's, say I go to Casa McHugh, though. They go, oh. Yeah, all right. Oh, well, you loved it. It's a very modest neighborhood. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm moving to Alluvium. And you go, oh. <laughs> when, when Tim Ferriss speaks, that's the that's voice I hear. Here. Yeah, I know. I don't know, like, come on, guy. I get it. Like, you live in Silicon Valley and then Austin, Texas. Yeah. That transition forces you to speak that way. I have to tell you, I, for years and years and years, I've, I was like, if, I would love to go to Austin, Texas. We went there for my music. friend's bachelor party. Yeah, I know. But I don't want to go there now. Well, it's probably a lot different than it was five years ago. It's like L.A. in the 70s and 80s. It's yeah, I think, yeah, not only is it over flooded because New York is over flooded. Yeah. I mean, that's a different story now. But imagine New York, like, pre-craziness. It was flooded, but it wasn't with people who were trying to sell themselves to you. Yeah. Not that, well, there are a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> Would that be the worst yeah. career What I'm ever? saying is, like, you like you hear people talk about being out in Hollywood and in L.A. It's everybody's trying to, like, you know, weave into your, yeah. they're trying to get over, they're, they're trying to make it. And that that affects every interaction you have. I got a feeling that Austin is it's, probably going to be like that. Austin is L.A. West or East. Right. I, I just hope it doesn't happen. Like you see, a it's lot already of, happening. There's T-shirts and signs happening. that say "Keep Austin Weird." Yeah. yeah, that sucks when you lose the weirdness. I when I I, I got to tell you. So when I was in L.A. or I shouldn't say LA, I was like, depending on traffic, I was an hour, an hour and ten to seven hours away <laughs> from Los Angeles. I mean, literally, we would, on a Saturday night, it'd be like 10 o'clock, we're like, dude, let's shoot down in the city. Yeah. And we'd jump in the car, we'd drive down and hit bumper to bumper traffic at midnight, be like, all right, screw it, let's go back. But I had so many interactions with people, and just, and you know, I knew the one guy who was a bartender. 
I'm like, all right, this guy's a really cool guy. I forget the guy's name. Trying to be an actor? Actor. Yeah. He was trying to be an actor. And he got into other acting, evidently, and um, made a couple bucks doing that for a while. Uh, uh, then he realized that it wasn't good for uh, having girlfriends, quality girlfriends. Was he, uh, could his work be found on like Cinemax past midnight? Oh, no. No, oh. he was uh, he was knee on deep DVD. in DVDs. <laughs> right. uh, but it was right, it was saying. funny because and it was, we I went to this party at this house. He had a house. He had like four roommates at this massive house in uh, Thousand Oaks, which is north of uh, L.A. That's like a famous area. You hear very nice area. Very nice area. And uh, you go in, and I tell you, I gotta tell you, man, I, I interact. And mind you, I'm just this Navy knucklehead, you know. I interacted with so many different people. I <laughs> I ended up hooking up with a lawyer easy, that we easy, had. Dude, let me this finish. Is a family podcast. I met. I know. I met this female who was a lawyer. Okay. And we had a relationship for about a month and a half. Great. Um, she was a wackadoo. She was of like, of course. I was. I always like this. I'm like, uh, well, did you ever see well, Cocktail? She, she's got one red she flag. Had bad taste in men. She's got one I strike against her right dude. off the bat. She I was used, interested in you. In All right, look, let's. Enough. Anyways, the interaction intertwining. All right, dude, we get it. That. You were in LA, and yeah. there were people, and you but, did but inter- inappropriate everywhere. things. Man, there were children. <laughs> so we we got Sorry, on this kids. because of Tim Ferriss. Yes. So way way back when, going on, man, I don't know, ten, eight or ten years at this point. Uh, I, I know I've listened to, the, to him about eight years. I would listen to the Tim Ferriss podcast, yeah. and he would he was a big proponent of yeah. fasting, which at the time was like crazy dude it was longer than eight years because i remember i would fast i wouldn't eat friday night dinner and then i wouldn't eat saturday saturday morning breakfast and i would train the advanced class at ricardo's after i was done done teaching that was my like foray into intermittent fasting and one of the things i learned from tim ferris and he learned it the hard way was he would go on these retreats where they would do fasts yeah and the thought being if you're like in this like beautiful venue and like, you know, it's like a hotel and it'll make it a little bit easier, but they didn't understand the science yet. So he would be completely, he would have insomnia. He would be completely uncomfortable. He'd be like cramping because all they would do is drink water. Yeah. And then you go on to find out that you can support a fast very easily without breaking it with like salt. Yes. Minerals, Mm -hmm. electrolytes. Yes. Just like little things that your body needs. So the science now, is so evolved that even your buddy has a product called Intrafast. Intrafast. And he's had it for a while now. Um, and I really enjoy it. It's got tastes good too. That's the other thing. Because as, as I try to extend my windows and because I'm looking to start, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm looking to start hitting more 24 hour and 48 hour fast. That's the goal. Salt is the key. Yes. So like if we train real hard on say like most nights I don't eat dinner or I, I eat dinner but I eat at like 4.30 yeah. before I leave the house. Um, unless we train really, really hard. So like on Wednesday night, yeah. it's really difficult for me to come home, not eat and go to sleep. And it's not because I'm starving. It's because by like 2 a.m., I'll be like adrenalized. Yeah. Because what happens is when you start going into a fasted state and, and everything depletes, like your magnesium and your sodium mm-hmm. and all that, your, uh, your body will adrenalize you as a way to motivate you and, and support a hunt. Is that yeah. pretty cool? So it's like, it's cool. like, hey, Dicky, do get yeah. off your ass. <laughs> you know, we're hungry. Yeah, you got to yes. get to work, man. Yes. Um, but the easy way around that, what I learned is I'll just come downstairs, put like a, a few pinches of 
like Himalayan pink salt or Celtic salt into some water and puts me right to sleep. Do you ever put it in your coffee? No. No? That's good. No, the only thing I put in my coffee is the Laird Hamilton Super Food Creamer. I still haven't got that. It's amazing. It's it's like coconut oil with uh, turmeric. Really? Yeah. So like my, it looks like I have like a, it looks like I smoke palm oils. <laughs> Because the turmeric is orange and it stains everything. Yes, yes. So, like, you know, I got, like, around, like, my lips sometimes. Seamus. Seamus McGinnis. Uh, like, the in between my fingers from, like, pinching it sometimes. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So, I'm looking at what he's got in here. Alpha, GPC, magnesium. Magnesium Caffeine. Awesome. Caffeine helps the fast. Yeah. L-theanine. Grapeseed extract. Potassium citrate. L selenamanamanamana and huperazine A, which is a small bit about that, but all important things. It is. It's good stuff. Yeah, dude. So the fast. If you guys follow my Instagram, you see every Wednesday I share a screenshot of the podcast that I listen to, and I listen. I drop everything I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So like Peterson was on Rogan. Yes, I didn't listen to it yet though. It's good. I mean, it's like any other Jordan Peterson thing, and you know he got into hot water because he he speaks out against like climate uh, fanaticism, I guess. Yeah. And that's really what he was doing. And he made some salient points. The truth is, I don't know any of it. So I'm not even gonna get into it. All I can tell you is when you hear him make logical points, like he says that the number one way, the fastest way to get climate uh, pollution and things like that under wraps is to pull as many people out of poverty as fast as possible. Because most pollution, I guess, comes from abject poverty. I don't know. He made some, mm. he's making some point like that. Um, it wasn't like he was doing some, some like denial thing. But yeah. he's in hot water about that. But anyway, so I'm listening is to- Is he lo- always in hot water? Or always. Is it well, dude, his original message was, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to kowtow to compelled speech by the government yes. around like gender pronouns. And he was not saying, I will not call you a she if you want me to call you a she. Yes. That's not what the argument the was. The government that. should not be dictating to you. Yeah, dude. He's like, that's called a slippery slope. And, you know, he's he's like a, one of the world's foremost leaders in uh, like Nazi Germany yeah. and like the Soviet Union and like the gulags. Uh, and that's kind of he's pointing out like this these postmodern modernist Marxists that are starting to like compel your speech. Th- that's where it starts. Yes. That that was his argument. So yeah. that got him in hot water. And then I remember I've listened to that that Rogan podcast probably five times. Well, dude, this is way before Rogan. Yeah, dude, I, I was a big fan of Jordan Peterson because I stumbled upon his lectures on YouTube. Right. He used to he was at Harvard. Lecture yeah. plus and he was in the University of Toronto. Yeah, so he would he would film and post his lectures, which you're getting like a free college education. And uh, then he went on to Rogan and he exploded. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he got into a lot of trouble for a lot of things. But another one was he implores you to adopt personal responsibility. <laughs> That's just crazy. Talk. And we're living in like the nanny state days where it's like. The government literally doesn't want you to take any sort of chance, both with your health, with your uh, your status, anything. Mm-hmm. And that's the opposite of what he promotes. Yes. 
So anyway, all that is to say, <laughs> <laughs> you got an intermittent fast. All that is to say, uh, I dropped that podcast when Lifespan comes up with David Sinclair. David Sinclair is the world's foremost expert and researcher in longevity mm -hmm. and increasing your health span, which is different than your lifespan. So you can live 120 years, but if you're like a vegetable, what the hell is the point? Yeah. Um, anyway, like the last episode, maybe two episodes ago, he's talking about like fasting and cold mm -hmm. and heat, yes. all these things that I love so much. And uh, the short of it is, if you're not fasting, you're killing yourself. Yeah. Like the, the one of the easiest, actually it's not easy if you've never fasted, but you do get accustomed to it. Just pretty don't quickly. eat breakfast. Yeah, it's a good one. It's pretty much very simple. Just don't eat breakfast. Because I've had that conversation and they go, wow, you, you go 16 hours? I go, I don't eat breakfast. Dude, you're sleeping for most of it. Yeah, that's hopefully six to eight hours. Right there. Well, here's the science. If you, even if you're just trying to get a good night's sleep and you're trying to follow your circadian rhythm and you're not even acknowledging fasting, you shouldn't eat within three hours before bed. Yeah. That's the first one. And, you know, I have the aura ring. And if I do have to have a shake before I go to bed, and usually I still, I'm still awake for like two hours. But even that two-hour window instead of three, my heart rate is super high for the first half of the night. Your metabolism is still going. You know, it just throws off your circadian rhythm. That's three hours before bed, and you should be in bed for at least seven hours. There's 10 hours right there, and you're not supposed to eat within an hour or two after you wake up. Yeah. So that's another couple hours right there. So if you can just hold out a little yeah. bit longer, you're doing a 16-hour fast. Yeah, and, and then you, you just bump it out every hour. I'll go till three sometimes, three in the afternoon. And I've, you're an overachiever. I am an overachiever. No, but I, I, to be honest with you, I prefer... To if I could eat at like three, and just eat at three one time a day, I feel really good. Yeah, I and I especially you're doing one it, meal a day. Yeah, Omed. That's what uh, David Sinclair does. Yes, I really enjoy that, but I also really enjoy food. Dude, the other thing is David Sinclair is not doing what we do on these mats. His idea, it's I laugh, dude. He's like. The last episode that I listened to is no, the, the most recent one was about like supplements, which was pretty exciting. There's a lot coming down the pipe um, that can mimic fasting, and it's great. The one before that was like things you can do on your own, and he was talking about like exercise and how how important it is, and is like it? you know like being fit and not having body fat, visceral body fat. But to hear him talk about what he thinks is exercise is friggin' hilarious. Oh yeah. Yeah, dude, and like to, and he's like sitting there talking to a, his like co-host about like this muscle that he packed on. He's like, you know, I was really thin, and I packed on some muscle. He battle looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> standing next to this guy, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't want to live 120 years like that. Yeah, you know, like the guy's a waif. There was a there's a commercial on the radio, and uh, it's like this health. It's it's a health thing, basically. Uh, some doctor says that she's talking about with diabetes and stuff like that. Diabetes. People that are people that are um, uh, pre pre diabetic, I guess is the term. There's Pat, which is most of the population. I think it's a lot. Uh, there's a lot of people that are pre for various reasons. Um, but what she said was like she, what? Like what types of reasons? 
Well, uh, they're overweight. They're sitting around on their couch instead of getting off their ass and uh, walking around and maybe jogging. All right. So I don't want to sound mean, but I don't want to dance around this because the more people in our sphere of influence can hear us talk about it, I think the more it'll help impact them. I absolutely agree. People are, for the most part, diabetic, pre-diabetic, or pre-pre-diabetic. That's... I would I would go as far as say seventy five percent of the U.S. population is right there. We're also uh, if this is not breaking any news, we're the fattest country in the world. Yeah. All right. So why is that? It's because we're overfed and underactive. Yes. Overfed and underactive. Yes. You eat too much and we're not moving around enough. Yeah. You'd rather sit around and play video games. Look, move around a little bit more often and yes. eat a little bit less. Yes. And Start eat, with that. Yeah. And stop eating fast food. Anyway, all right. So anyways, the doctor says, and it's such a simple thing. And she says, she goes, I always tell my patients that are pre-diabetic, all this other thing, add add a pound of muscle and it'll help with the processing of the sugar and so forth and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, the more you exercise, the more you're packing on muscle to a frame. And we're not talking about, you're not Jay Cutler or Ronnie Coleman or Arnold Schwarzenegger. We're not talking like that. And she brings that up. She goes, it's just you exercising, you promoting strong, you know, muscle. And dude, on top of that, even your body will process the sugar a lot easier. Well, there's that. And and think about the process of, dude, a pound of muscle is a lot of muscle. For some. I'm pretty sure you can only put on like maybe two or three actual pounds of lean muscle in a year. But the, but the point you know being, what though, I, it's, that's that's a funny. Depends on where you are. It's an it, that's an equation because if you're just starting to work out, say yeah, you could probably pack battle, on like a paddle. Battle could easily put on eight to ten pounds a, in a year. A lean muscle. Yes, if he eats right and he works out. Maybe he's such an ectomorph. But you know what, man? I we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Maybe, I would maybe love, we'll never know. <laughs> I would love. I would love to say, John. Let's sit down. Let's put you on a diet plan. Because if you're going to eat. We've sat him down. And lift. Get him in the gym lifting. I mean, right. seriously lifting. We'll send him to so Dennis So, look, aside from that. Because so just look at Jack. And, and not the side yeah, but Jack, Jack is on. Jack is, what, 15? 15. Yeah, dude. He's got the highest testosterone levels. True. That he'll ever have in his life. True. You know, he's. But in a year. He's only been at Dennis in a year. He sleeps. He's totally different. 14 hours a day. No, he he's video gaming till midnight. All right, well, <laughs> screw him then. He's got decent genetics. Yes, I don't know where he gets them from. But. The point being, dude, if you're one, if 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 your doctor sat you down and was like, "Look, if you put on one pound of muscle this year, uh, your di- your pre diabetes will yes. go away, and this and that," and and they can explain to you it's because muscle can metabolize sugar, whatever you're trying yes. to say. But the truth is, for you to put on a pound of muscle, you're the lifestyle change that will have to happen. That's really where the benefit comes from. Yeah. You have to change the way you eat. You have to change your sedentary lifestyle to put on a pound of muscle. That sedentary That's lifestyle where the benefit kills comes from. people, man. Yeah, it kill, I, I'm not going to get too deep into it because there's family involved. But Let me stop you right there before we get too condescending. Yeah. We're pretty fucking sedentary ourselves. True. Listen, listen. Here's the, the common misconception. If you Say you come to the 630 class four times a week or yes. three times a week and you train real hard for 90 minutes, dude, you're getting it in. You're getting a lot of great benefits. Yes. But if you're sitting at your desk from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. every day, yeah. you're not getting anywhere. No. 
like long term health wise, I'd argue. I don't know. I'm you know spitballing. Spitballing. But what if every twenty five, thirty minutes you get up and you walk around for a little bit? Yes. What if every That's single day before or after lunch you do fifteen, twenty minutes of movement? <laughs> Yeah, that's where you can really change your life. And this is one of the things that really annoys me about uh, two things. One, my wife's car breaking down, like I was telling you, and because uh, we're single vehicle right now. And uh, when uh, I got hit with the uh, Omicron Prime, was I was hitting the gym three, four times a week, then coming in here. Yeah. And I just feel so much better when I'm doing that. It, you know, and I'm not going in to be a bodybuilder. I'm just going in to move weights around. You know, strengthen the joints and so forth. And uh, get on the cardio, and you know, we'd spoke before about it, trying to do some uh, IBJJF stuff, and uh, I really want to start getting right for that. And we might have to take a road trip. It doesn't I, look like they're coming in New York. No, I don't believe so. I wish they would come to Philly, but whatever. That'd be great. That would be awesome. Then we don't. Have I wish to, they would come to like Cherry Hill. I think they could go right over there to the wood furniture place. Right we throw here, some man. mats down. We could do that. No, but I, I. And I, I can only, I only talk for myself, you know. I feel so much better when I'm doing more. I just feel so much better more. Yeah. Men, the mental clarity alone. Yeah. It, 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 it's, so it's awesome. Matakis and I have been talking a lot, as we always do, but yesterday was a really good talk. He, he was going to do a, um, like a seminar tomorrow, like a lecture, which I was going to go to. It's probably going to get snowed out. You think? Yeah. But he's doing um, a virtual one tonight. It's going to be about like, uh, you know, hero's journey, ego, and stress, things like that. But he's been kicking around these different ideas, and, and we talked about it. One of them is that that whole idea of like this stream of thoughts, that in, this incessant stream of thoughts. And that's a very like Eastern philosophy kind of thing, right? Like Jordan Pearson embodies the Western philosophy, like personal responsibility clean your room build yourself up become yeah. something better become something more because you're capable and you owe it to yourself and you owe it to your community that's yeah. really like the western thing but you know pull yourself up and get to work build yourself up eastern philosophy is more like you're perfect as you are yeah it's nothing nothing really or, you know yeah. you know uh desire is is suffering and and attachment is suffering and you don't need anything you are the universe and when you realize that everything melts away and the ego is bad, all that is Eastern. So it kind of comes together in that thought that Chris has been talking about of like that stream of thoughts above your head because Western thought is very noisy, right? It's very ambitious and Eastern thought is acknowledging it and seeing it. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing, dude, you live in the world. You're not a monk on a rock on yeah. the top of the Himalayas, right? But does that mean you have to live in that stream of consciousness, in that stream of thoughts? No, that's how you get anxiety. That's where stress comes from. Yeah. That's where like depression lies, I think. So the trick is, how do you get out of that stream of thoughts? And then there's a few ways to do it. Everybody's different. One is, for some people, meditating helps. Because when you sit quietly, you start to realize that, oh, shit, all right, the thoughts are just going on their own. Yeah. Oh, wait, I'm not those thoughts. Yeah. I'm observing them. Oh, wait, wait. I don't have to pay much mind to them. Yeah. And then that you can feel your shoulders kind of relax and your jaw kind of loosens a little bit. Less stress. But some people can't meditate like that. And nope. for some people, it takes a year to see benefits. So what's another way to get out of that stream of thought? Get into your body. 
Yes. The more you could get into your body, the more you could get out of your head. Like, dude, if I'm, you hear me say this a lot. I'm very, this sounds so weird. I'm, I'm very much affected by the, the weather. Sunny days, I look out my blinds in the morning. I jump in that cold shower with a smile on my face. Yep. Excited to run down shirtless and shoeless. I have pants on, don't worry. And I'll stand out in my backyard and face the sunlight. It, like the other day, it was 12 degrees. I, yeah. I sat out there, no shirt. It didn't matter. I felt amazing with the sun on my face. If I look out the window and there's no sun, I just don't even want to get out of bed. I, I just, that. my brain isn't going to work that day. I'm not going to teach good class. That's what I'm telling myself. It, yeah. does, it doesn't always shake out that way. Because how do I get around that? Exercise. I get moving. Get I get moving. moving. I go downstairs. I, I do my knees over toes stretches. Mm -hmm. I do some push-ups. I do some kettlebell swings. I get into my body. I get out of my head. That's, it, it's a simple thing that people, I think people complicate things. You know what I mean? They, I really... Well, dude, people, we talked about this last people week. People are too. complicated. We are complicated, and we we make things overly complicated. You know, they, I I don't know if it's because they overanalyze every. You get you know you get people that overanalyze everything. Yeah, and they never make a decision. They get lost in the analytics of this. Well, they that. get they get analysis paralysis. Exactly. That's that's what I was. I guess I was thinking, but I didn't say it obviously. But I, I really that's fear of the outcome. Yes. If I analyze this enough, then I won't have to make a decision. I have to make things difficult. But I, you know, and then, then you got the other guys that, you know, they at, they shoot and ask questions later, which isn't you're always seeing, a smart way. No, to it's go. not. But you're seeing. But dude, I'd rather fortune favors the bold. Yes, fortune favors the bold, and we're becoming more and more risk averse as a Culture. as a community yeah. as a community as a species. Even yeah, like our risk aversion is, is becoming crippling oh here's a good example if you didn't, if my three-year-old sitting there in a mask right now and look i see pictures from the class none of it every one of those kids has their nose out i put her mask on it's for a three-year-old it doesn't even touch her face yeah and on top of that the cdc even came out and said these cloth masks aren't they really do doing shit. anything so it's all like for theater all right then the question is why who are we trying to make feel comfortable because miss marlowe doesn't give a shit yeah I don't think Avery wants to wear the mask. Yeah. I know she doesn't. So who are we making feel better? And then you start thinking, I don't even think the principal gives a shit. Oh, all right, it's optics. So we're trying to kowtow to a, a handful of people in the community who think, who really just don't know the numbers. That like, that a kid that age has like a .00018 chance of being hospitalized with COVID, yeah. but she's got like a 0.01 chance of being hospitalized with the flu. It's probably even higher than that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we're becoming more and more risk averse, but fortune favors the bold. Yeah. So that analysis paralysis is becoming crippling. And if you think it's not gonna seep into all areas of your life, you're sadly mistaken. It's seeping into every aspect of our life. Unfortunately, a lot of the decisions that are being made, which are, like you said, well, we're nerfing the world. We are we're nerfing the world. You got to fall on your Dude, ass. To listen get up. to this. All right, so I got my, uh, I got like a bench, Miller. I got a bench uh, for like my my weight set that I had in the garage. I yeah. gave it to Rich for uh, for like most of the pandemic, but I needed it back for some of the new workouts I'm doing. And I just keep it in my living room because yeah. if I'm not using it, my wife is using it, and if she's not using it, 
the girls use it to play. Yeah. Like they'll, it'll be it's either be, use. yeah, dude, it'll be like the desk for, she'll be the teacher and like, she'll have like her fucking apple and pencils. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, they're, they're doing obstacle courses on it last night and Avery's sitting on it like sideways. Right. So like her feet are dangling. Yeah. And she's holding on to it right by her thighs and she's kicking her feet and rocking and she goes back too far. And luckily she didn't let go, but she did a full 360 backflip. Backflip on her. Boom. Feet. Landed right on her back. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I watched the whole thing. I was like, oh, shit. And Melissa's <laughs> like, what happened? What happened? You know, and she's crying because she's like, I, I th she thought she was hurt. She didn't know. It scared yeah. the shit out of her. And then, like, you know, of course, Melissa scoops her up. And, oh, yeah. like, she does the motherly thing. And I'm laughing. Yeah. Because I know she didn't get I watched. She didn't hit yeah, her she head. She didn't hit her head. And then, you know, Melissa's holding her. I need a pop. I need an ice pop. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Aves. Did you just do a flip? And she starts like laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, I did a flip. Yeah. And then this morning she's like, I'm gonna do a flip again. I was like, No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Once is good. <laughs> you know. But the point being, we could have that situation could have been remembered in one of two ways. Yeah. It could have been remembered as remember that time poor little old me fell off that thing and I landed really hard. It was it was terrible. Or it could be, I did a fucking flip. I did a backflip. I landed. Wasn't that cool? And that's just a very small microcosm. I know exactly Extrapolate that. About. Extrapolate that across all arenas of How your life. How many times have you seen that at the playground with the kids? Like they bounce off. And yeah. if, you, if you ignore them, they just keep running. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've seen it a thousand times. And a lot. Why of, are you at a playground that often? Well, <laughs> when, when my child was really smaller. And you would see that, you know, there's two views of it where it's like, you got to rush and, oh my God, baby, are you okay? Or it's like, dude, you're good, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're if good. You, if you, if you cause the anxiety. They're or looking you at your reaction. Their reaction. Exactly. That's They're the trying to gauge how fucked up they are by your yeah. reaction. If their arm is hanging off, okay, maybe yeah. we need to react a little bit different. But dude, not even, fell, I think it was Jackson. When Jackson was like two or three, Tony would be able to tell you. Uh, he was like playing around and, and I think he like hit the ground with a thud. Something happened. Yeah. And then he was just kind of complaining all night like about his arm, like crying. Yeah. Like, oh, like whining a little bit, but like barely. And then uh, in the middle of the night, like he wasn't sleeping and he was really starting to favor his arm and Tony got worried. He brought him to the, like the ER. He dislocated his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't even really, he was just like, oh man, my shoulder. Oh, I got a good one for you. Gavin and Travis. We're playing murder after class one day <laughs> last week. As they tend to do. Those those two, I think we could drop them off the building a couple hundred times and they'll be fine. They're sturdy young men. Travis flipped Gavin right onto his head. And I think it was Battle and I are sitting. We're like, oh, my God. And Gavin's just like, <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. And Jay's like, that happens all the time. Yeah. So they're conditioned. They're conditioned. And again, if you react, how you react is how they're going to react. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're going to go, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And they're going to panic. Dude, we, we might have talked about this before, but but we outsource. And I got this from, from the devil himself, Jordan Peterson. But he said we outsource our sanity. We outsource our sanity. Meaning, like, we, we look to our, the people in our sphere for, like, cues, social cues. Yeah. To, that modify our behavior. It happens on like a very small level and it happens constantly. But we also outsource our confidence. We outsource our credibility. Mm -hmm. We outsource everything because we're such social beings. Here's a really good example. 
like when I was fighting MMA. I remember my second fight, I was going out to fight, and this guy, you know, big jack guy, and he was intimidating, and I was intimidated. Didn't mean I was not going to fight him. Like, spoiler alert, it's always scary to get in a fucking cage if, <laughs> if you didn't know that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Anyway, that's anybody right. who says it's not scary in any way is either a fucking psychopath or they're a liar. Yeah. And I wonder what else they lie about. But right before I walked out, Frank Yeager comes up and smacks me on the back. He's like, You got a lot of fight in you. Not a lot of people can say that. You got a lot of fight in you. And I, I just swelled up. Like, I was like, I'm going to fight this fucking guy. Yeah. You know, because. I hold Frankie Edgar in such high regard. How could you not? Mm -hmm. And if he has that vote of confidence in me, there's got to be something there. He wouldn't just say that. Yeah. You know? And then my next fight, my third fight, again, fighting a scary dude, you know? Big jack guy, boxer, whatever. We had to fight. Yeah. You know, I was going to fight. And I get to the top of the stairs before I walk all the way down, make the long walk to the cage. And then I'm playing my music. And at the top of the the thing was my buddies from home were sitting right there. Yeah. And my one buddy Melville was like, look at this guy. He's in, look at this animal. Look at this fucking guy. Talking about me. Yeah. And it's just like, oh shit, he's, I'm an animal. You know, because he had that confidence in yeah. me. I think, and again, that's a little different than like a kid falling off the, the monkey bars. It is and it isn't. But I'm very, very mindful of the words I use with my girls about how confident they are how capable they are how tough they are yeah. i say it to them all the time you're so tough look how tough you are yeah like you're com you're a kind confident little girl but people need to hear that too well if you say it enough they believe it exactly and that that's the point you know i mean and look i'm not gonna say dude you're the smartest kid in the world you know, when he you know he's bubbles falling out of his mouth he could barely tie his shoes and he's just an idiot i mean yeah. that's not what we're, we're not talking about false bravado but every once in a while you need to have that if Dude, it's gonna go, this. if they're on you the fence, and it's gonna go one way. It could go one way or another. It There's could a fork push them the, over the fence in a positive way, especially it's with in, kids. Yeah, exactly. Every exactly. interaction is a fork in the road. Yes, like we've all had that one teacher that we can name who made us take that proper turn, that right turn, yeah. because they believe they they for whatever reason saw something that we didn't know. Yeah, and it's like, oh shit, I'm a smart kid. Yeah, I didn't know that. Exactly. But we've also had like that gym teacher who was a douchebag and made you feel like you were a piece of shit because, yeah. like, he just labeled you like a troublemaker. Yeah. And, like, every time you saw him for the next five years, oh, here comes, here comes Lingesso. Yeah. And it's like, dude, that was one fucking time. Yeah. One time I played around with my friend and now, like, now, you're I'm, gonna a now I'm a dickhead. Yeah. You know, which says a lot more about that guy, like Mr. Dawes, you yeah. fucking <laughs> than it does about, about me. But let's be fucking mindful. Let's be mindful, not only of our interactions with kids, which definitely hold more value in the long run, but with everybody around you. Yeah. I could tell you just, you know, at being at finishers this weekend and seeing, you know, there's a lot of that goes on. You know, there's that the coach to, you know, the, the guy, the competitor, where you're giving them, you got this, man. You got this. Yeah. And they're like, you know, I think I got this. And, and that goes a long way. And and it's not going to be e I didn't say it was going to be easy, but I said, you got this. You do the right things, it's going to go your way, you know. And, and that man, that, that vote of confidence, that slap on your back, you know what I yeah. mean? That goes, there's a lot of mileage in that, in a simple gesture like that, that reinforcement. And mentally, you know, the, if you're not there up in the head, you're not going to be there physically. No. 
You know, because it's funny how the uh, you know the the brain can override anything physical you do. It's such a it is a balancing act though, and it's something that deserves it. It, it requires skill. You know what it requires? Authenticity. Yeah. We can't just th- like you said. Like if somebody's having trouble tying their shoes, and they're <laughs> yeah. like, you know, obviously the entire room and that kid knows you're lying when you're like, listen, dude, you're gonna cure cancer one day. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, but the point is, yes. it's fucking fine. Yes. We can't just be like, I can't shout out to the, like the room that every one of you guys are the toughest animals in, in South Jersey. It's yeah. just not true. Everybody knows it, but everybody does have their own gifts and you got to be authentic with, with helping them realize what they are capable of. Yeah. Right? I mean, you can say you've gone through some of the toughest training that anybody's going to go that. through. So you put the work in and. The, the tools are there. We've provided you the tools. We've provided you the work to get you guys better. Here's an example. If somebody's about to step onto the mat and they're like Scrappy Joe in like his first couple tournaments yeah. before it started to come together a little bit better for him, I, the, the right thing to say to a guy like that is this. I know you're not going to quit. Yes. I know you're going to fight your balls off. Yes. And I know by the end of the fight, that guy's not going to want to be here anymore. Yes. So let's just go out and fight as hard as you can. Yeah. Instead of being like, dude, you're going to crush this guy. Yeah. Why, why do you not say, dude, you're going to crush this guy? Because the second things don't go your way, wait a second. Professor said I was going to crush He's this guy. No, I'm not. Shit. Well, not only that, it's like, wait, oh, God. He, he, the truth is I'm not as tough. Uh, and the whole yeah. thing falls apart. Then you get that mental anguish and you start breaking down mentally. And then that, that's a bad domino. That falls. Then you start going down that trend. And then yeah. you start having that mental anguish. Oh, man, I'm just, I suck, I suck, I suck. That's not it at all. Because, yeah. I mean, I, I watched Battle lose this weekend. He shakes it right off. And and I told him, I said, dude, I go, you look great out there. I go, there's every time you fought him, every time he fights Rosenthal, he gets better. He gets better. Yeah. And he gets better. And he looks better each time. I wish we could go out just with like maybe I'll get a t shirt made that says fuck uh Frank, Frank Rosenthal, Rosenthal. Which I I like Frank. I Frank's think he's awesome a nice guy. guy. Yeah, he's it's a good just, dude. He's that glass ceiling that yeah. you know, battle I want battle to get past him, past Palestine, past Krikori. Yeah. That's like the the last kind of, you know, stratosphere before he really gets up to that Abu Dhabi level. He's not. and that's He can the, do it. He's not. And I had a bunch of the guys from finishers because, I mean, I was basically there the whole weekend and I was hanging out with these guys a lot of the weekend and they all said the same thing. He's right there, man. He's, he's right just, there. He's right there. It's just like one or two little details. And, it, yeah. and John knows it. And we talked afterwards, you know. And I'm like, dude, you're right there. He goes, yeah, but I go, yeah, but I go, you. Every time you fought him, you got better at it. Every time, it's just a matter. He goes, hopefully the piece will come together. I, go, I think it's maybe not like it's you're just, not doing the work. I think it you're might be a work. mindset thing. He might I just have. It might, it, it's that if I'm zero and ten against somebody, and I think he's zero and six against him. Yeah, I'm like, you're, you. That part of that would be the mental part, dude. You ever see you little put giants? The work out. You ever see yes. little giants? Yeah. All it takes is one time. It's all it takes. One time. Yeah. One time. I always go to Buster Douglas. You beat Kevin down Cherry Hill. <laughs> Buster Douglas. All right. Bad example, dude. Because Mike Tyson didn't train. He yeah, was out yeah, parties, out partying, doing hookers. But you know what the point I'm getting at. I mean, we shouldn't have to hope for Frank Rosenthal to like <laughs> blow wines and, and bang hookers all night for battle. Well, I mean, if it works for him, I'll promote it. But no, I mean, you can just look at Joe Namath. He called his shot. Yeah. The underdog, the Jets. Yeah. And I mean, they still suck. 
I, I just, I think I'll come back to it. I think it's a mindset thing. If he it goes out mindset. there, like, fuck, for, who's Frank Reilly? Yeah. But the, there's something to be learned from battle. A lot of things. But one is, you should be upset when you lose. And he is disappointed when he yes. loses. Sometimes a little bit more than others. Yeah. Um, but the swing in his emotions, whether he wins or loses, is pretty minimal. Yes. He doesn't identify himself as a loser when he loses. That's he all, super wait, wait, important. He, no, no, no. Listen. Also, as impo- just as important as he's not a winner just because he wins. He wins. He works. That's not even it, dude. I think you're oversimplifying it. It's a lot deeper. We should get him to get it. He's just a good example that he is, he is separate from the outcome of whatever happens. Yeah. And, and where does battle derive the most purpose these days? These mornings. Oh, yeah. That's the work. Be, that's, that's what I'm saying, be, the work. That's become his identity. The Yeah, dude, the process. Just the yeah. giving himself over to the pursuit of mastery. Like we said the other morning, the, the pursuit of mastery in any endeavor is a worthy and worthwhile pursuit. It could be knitting. It could be chess. It could be freaking gardening. It should be jujitsu, yeah, because jujitsu covers a lot more of the bases, yes, right. But at the end of the day, are we ever going to achieve mastery? Well, I always say jujitsu is the pursuit of mastering the thing that you can never master. Never, it always recedes. Yes. It all. The closer you get to mastery, the more it's going to recede. Yes. So, can we have glimpses of mastery? Yeah, yes. like you, you, we've seen some masterful things out of battle. Yes. He's done some of the most insane things. And will it be like a momentary glimpse of greatness and and quote-unquote mastery when he finally beats these guys? Yeah. But yeah. what do you think Battle's going to acknowledge shortly thereafter? It's the work, man. I'll it's, see you Monday I'll morning. I'll see you Monday morning. It doesn't change him. No. That's the beautiful thing. That's such a valuable thing to he learn. Could be, he could be an arrogant prick. He could be that guy, but he's not. He's not. And that's that's a beautiful thing. Because I think we've all seen people in our lives that, you know, just things start going their way. All of a sudden they're, uh, you know, oh, I'm so much better than yeah. you. And it's like, well, what makes you a winner? What what makes somebody a winner? It's not always the outcome. That's the way I look at Sometimes. it. Sometimes. Well, I'm not saying it. I mean, I'm asking. I don't yeah, know. Let's figure this thing winner? out. That's a good, that's a very complicated What makes question. a winner? What makes a successful person? It's how you gauge success. What's up, Professor? Oh, Professor Tony, what's up, brother? How do you gauge success? I'm asking you, you old bastard. You're 150. You've been around. I am. You're like the wise owl from the Tootsie Roll pop commercial. Uh, one, a two, a three. Um, I think what makes success is one... The willingness to do what the other people aren't willing to do, to, yeah, to but, work more but, than all right. people. What if you're working your ass off and you live in a one-bedroom apartment with no toilet and you have not a pot to piss in? And Maybe you have a really nice bucket with a lid on top. Yeah. All right? Dude, I, here, I, I, let me interject. I think I agree with you. It's the ability to pursue achievement, but yes. I think there needs to be some achievement for you to yes. be successful. Yes, I agree. I agree. I'm like not it's, saying it's not just the at bats. Like every say, once in a while, you got. I'm not make, saying you're batting a hundred. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm also saying you're not batting a thousand. Yeah. You know because, and especially in jujitsu, nobody goes, you know, undefeated. Gordon Ryan has lost. Believe it or not, Marcelo Garcia has lost. Yeah. 
You know, Hodger Gracie has lost. Very few times. Hickson. Yeah, I know, but. Maybe the only one. Whenever we bring up sports analogies and jujitsu is included, I guess, we're, we're overlooking the fact that these guys, some of them, and I'm not saying Hodger or Marcelo or Gordon, but you can name a dozen athletes who beat their wives. Who yeah? Kill, I'm not even looking at somebody. Yeah, yeah. Kill somebody driving yeah. drunk. So it's more than just uh, achievement in your particular field. Yes, you have to achieve at a and and that's why I come back to why I'm so happy about <laughs> battle shaking off losses. Like I guarantee you, if like Gordon loses in Abu Dhabi, like he's gonna hold that. That's gonna weigh him down, and when he comes back, yeah, he'll come back like a fucking bat out of hell. Yes, but it's gonna be like a manic episode. Like he's gonna be bipolar. Like it's gonna be uh, that night. He's gonna be with Danaher, and they're they're gonna fix all the problems, and he's gonna be a man possessed. Yes, which is fine. And I'm not saying he's not successful. I'm just saying he's one in a billion. Yes, one. He's Michael Jordan. He is. So for but Michael Jordan wasn't a very happy person. Yeah, we all saw uh, the Last Dance. That was a great show. He was a man possessed, yes. and we can't all be like that. No, no. So I'm I'm really happy hey, that Battle Avery has. Oh, I love them. I'm just so happy that Battle does have the wherewithal to not only shake off a loss, but not become too identified with the win. I was just going to say that, but also this that he can still find because because the critique I always had with Matakis's Eastern philosophy was how do you accomplish anything in your life if you're so detached? And yeah. that was always the thing. And when you're detached, there's no ambition. And when there's no ambition, there's no motivation. Battles found a really beautiful way to be detached from these outcomes but still be motivated. Yes. It's, it's impressive. It is. That's, I think, success. I agree. And, and I was kind of going to say, you don't let the win, you, don't, you can't let a win or a loss define you as a person. As long as what? I guess you put in the work. As long as you put, I was going to say that. As long as you're putting in the work, it's what matters. And we, we always say win or learn. You know what I mean? Which has a lot of value. Yeah. Because if you don't put in the work, I always say this: if you put in the work, were you winking at me? <laughs> if you put in, if you don't put in the work and you win, I think a lot of times it's a fluke. I agree, but your brain's going to tell you that you're a prodigy. If I keep doing it this way, yeah, because that's. Going back to Tyson, that's what Tyson did. Tyson was too big for his britches. Dude, that's why, and I wanted to get to this, but we're out of time, but I wanted to talk about another metaphor, analogy, imagery that Matakis has been kicking around is the idea of this compass, that we all need this compass, like true north. Like We all have this passion and this purpose. We just got to find it. And how the hell do you find it? You just wander blindly? No, you need some direction. And one of the things about the compass is there's... You know, the the arrows pointing north, right? And then there's the backside of it. Yeah. And the backside of it, Mataka says, is fear. And usually fear is what nudges us in the proper direction. Yes. So it's something to lean into. Oh, we got a couple of visitors today? I can't see. All right. I'll be training. All right. Let me go get on the mat. All righty. Go welcome these <laughs> brown belts to the school. Oh, there's brown belts. I didn't even see them. Yeah. Take care, guys. See you, guys. Let, let's not forget, Ricardo's going to be here. February 9th. It's Nogi night. It's been over three years. It has been. Can't wait. Can't wait. Looking forward to it, guys. Take care, guys. Out.